What's up, everybody? I'm TJ. And I'm Kelsey. And we are the, the Nashville, Nashville Wine Duo. Duo. For you. <laughs> you just have to show up and uh, do a podcast. No. Podcast time. Podcast time. We love talking to wineries and proprietors mm-hmm. and CEOs of these awesome companies. Wineries. And uh, today we have one of uh, our favorites. Um, actually, we, you, we had a friend that lived in California and they visited your winery and bought a bunch of bottles and tried it and just came away raving Yeah, and um, had nothing to, but great things to say about Dutcher's Crossing Winery. And then when we posted that we were going to do a podcast with you all, they just freaked out and was like, this is my favorite winery. I remember the yeah, day I was there. So. <laughs> so we have the proprietor of Dutcher's Crossing Winery, Deborah Matthew. It's an honor to have you on the podcast this week. Thank you for having me. Of yeah. course. Thanks for agreeing. It's uh, nice to sit down and, and chat and lay, lay low and have fun for an hour out of my day instead of working. Yes. Yeah. So where are you right now? It looks like some kind of office. I'm in my, my conference room. You can see my pet duck behind me. <laughs> yes. It's All good cool. conference room needs a duck. Yeah, you know, it's my Easter egg that I was like, <laughs> um, in my conference room, I was out in the vineyards at about six this morning, um, talking with my facilities manager, like early at seven, finally have settled in I just kicked my winemaker out. He was sad to leave, um, having a harvest plan. So like, this is really the first downtime for me since I got up and got going at six this morning. So, Oh, wow. Long day. Yeah. It's a fun day. It's not the same thing. Like I do mm. different things every single day. So it's not monotonous for me and um, it's very seasonal and changes. And that's why I love the industry. Yeah. Are you in Sonoma right now? I am. I'm in Dry Creek Valley, which is in okay. northern Sonoma. Um, we're in the Healdsburg Geyserville area. Um, you know, about an hour and ten minutes north of San Francisco, about twenty minutes from San Rosa. You know, the the heartbeat of, of Charles Schultz and Scooby Doo. Uh, uh, so- Snoopy. Snoopy. Sorry, Snoopy. Twins yesterday. <laughs> um, yeah. So we are in this. Beautiful. It looks like Italy here. Um, you know, not to knock the other valleys, we are one of the most beautiful valleys in Napa and Sonoma. Like the breathtaking views of the hills and the vines and the culture, and like you just can't beat Tri Creek Valley. It's 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 got the family feel. You see winemakers and owners on site all the time, and this is what it used to be like 30 years ago in Napa. Like you want to feel wine industry come to directory i mean the pulse is strong here wow wow now you may even want to go especially when you're talking about like the scenery and everything like that and just i can imagine myself sipping on some wine looking over the rolling hills and it's pretty cool that you like get to see that every day (laughs) yeah that's my office i walk through a breezeway i don't know how many people have looked at our website but we have a uh, we did a, a drone video and 
I get to walk through that and hang out. That's my office. I can take my computer, sit outside, look at the scenic, you know, uh, backdrop of our winery. And it's like, life's not too bad, especially when you talk to your brothers back in Wisconsin in the middle of the <laughs> It's like, what are you doing? I'm like, it's 80. I just put sunblock down and I'm sitting outside working. And then you just hear a click and they've hung up. And then <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, we've been on the website. The, the, uh-huh. the winery looks beautiful. Oh the grounds gosh, look amazing. amazing. Yeah. Uh, one day we would love to come and sip wine there for sure. But oh, yeah, so tell us how you got started. Yeah, well, I want to roll back. You said you're from Wisconsin, so I lived in Minnesota for a while. I was born in Michigan, so I'm very familiar with a northern accent. And um, I knew- wait, what? I was in White White Lake. I don't know if you're familiar. How far? Is kind that of by. It's UP? like Pontiac, Pontiac, Michigan. Okay, okay. My dad was born in the UP. Uh, okay. So yeah, super familiar with Michigan, and then, yeah, grew up in Wisconsin. You know, and yeah. Then, then I, I left because because I graduated high school and had to go study and be an adult and find jobs and all of this stuff. But like my mom and dad um, opened the door for me in high school, like to be honest with you. And I know my French teacher has passed away, so I can say this because I want to hurt her feelings. I only took French class because I wanted to go to France in high school, do the French trip. And my, my dad's like, you need to learn to speak the language. So I took three years of French and in junior year, I went to France. And um, I don't know where I thought mine came from other than the really nice, fine liquor store and the holidays. But I saw vineyards in a winery and went, oh, like people do this for a living. This is great. And I announced to my parents at two in the morning after I returned from the trip that I was going into the wine industry and they kind of laughed and said, go, go get education, go get a job. And I'm like, okay. But I kept coming back to it. I come from a family business, knew I was going to do business, but did not want to do the family business. I just kept coming back to the wine industry and, you know, I have great great parents my dad passed but they were super supportive my brothers are super big cheerleaders and you know we were encouraged to go spread our wings do whatever we thought was right for us and had big cheerleaders from the family and you know, when my dad was diagnosed with stage four melanoma he said what do you want to do are you happy are you content i said you know life's good for me but i still want to do the wine industry he said let's be together as long as i have left you know, you have that epiphany of when someone's got stage four cancer, you don't wait until you retire to do what you love or want to do because you may never get that opportunity. So my dad encouraged me to set off on the journey, and he was with me all the way through. It's about a four-year journey, and he passed away three months before I bought such a crossing. And uh, my brother's asked where I was after he died with wine industry. And I said, I really love this winery that you're crossing, except it's not for sale. I kept comparing everything that was for sale to Dutch crossing. And my eldest brother, God bless him, he goes, just go ask. What's the worst they're going to tell you? He's no. Like, that's not, 
that's not a horrific thing. At least you tried, and it didn't say no. They said, let, let me think about it. And it was after we got my mom settled, and once they said yes, we went very quickly. You don't want them to change their mind. And 37 days later, I bought a winery. So about two wow. my dad died. You know, they say never do any life-changing things after a significant loved one dies for about a year. And just go and buy a winery and jump two feet into the wineries because that makes sense. But, you know, it it's life short. Do what you love. Be passionate about it. Go two feet in, and you know, there are plenty of times my first year I went, What am I doing here? Like, I don't know if this is right. I don't know if I'm the right person for this. Like, I just kept swimming and keeping my head above water, surrounding myself with the right people. My brother said, After a year, it will feel natural. Just keep going. You can do it. Encourage me. And, and um, you know, I'm 16 and a half years later, loving getting up every day and the challenge. and Thinking it's great, except for certain times like fires or or other unfortunate things, and um, you know it's been a great adventure. But this was where I was meant to be. There are plenty of wineries out there for sale, but it just felt like home. Mm. Yeah. So on the website, I was reading that when you bought the uh, winery in two thousand seven, correct? Yes. Um, they were only doing how many varietals? Seven? They were doing uh, about six different wines. That's about okay. it. Six or seven. Six different people. wines. And now okay. I make 32 different wines. That's what I read. 32. Wow. <laughs> 32. Like their goal was eventually to be all estate. Um, when when I bought it was in a in a period of redevelopment and replanting. Um, so they subsidized their their fruit with um, some other vineyard designates. Uh, and I really loved the vineyard designates and, and thought we could continue with both. Um, and, you know, I I grew up thinking if, if you have quality people with talent, find a job for them. If you have quality fruit, find a place for it. So. When opportunities arose, we grabbed the fruit when it was available and, and challenged our staff to rise to the occasion, make really good wine from it, challenge the, the staff that's in sales to be able to sell it. And, and it's been a fun learning curve and growth for us. And, and the team's really has risen to the, to the challenge, I guess. What would you say it has been the hardest or most difficult part of owning a winery? Um, I, that's kind of a twofold question. I, I think it's difficult, and this can probably be controversial. I think it's sometimes hard to navigate the changes of regulations here in California. That, that's a hard challenge because it brings in, you know, water rights and, and everything. So that's been a challenge as far as here in California. I, I think owning a winery is so dependent on mother nature. Mm -hmm. uh, um, you know, I may plan to produce 15,000 cases, but because of the elements and, and the season, the growing season, I may only be able to 
produce 8,000. And it's hard to run a business where you cannot count on um, having consistent volume. Sure, I could go maybe buy some lesser quality fruit to, to bump up my volume, but um, if it's low for me, it's low for everybody. And I don't want to jeopardize quality just for quantity. Um, so I think that's kind of a challenge because it's, it's changing. And the only year was my first year where my production plan was laid out and it was right on. Otherwise, it's not even close. So, wow. Did you feel like being from um, Wisconsin, like, were you really welcomed into, like, the California culture and, like, the people, other winemakers and other wineries, or was that a little bit challenging at first, and what's that looked like? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think half of the people welcome me with open arms. Like, you know, you get nervous. The customers get nervous, like, change of ownership. Things are going to change, and it's, they saw me behind the bar. They saw me all you know, in the backyard, they saw me on the crush bed. They welcomed me with open arms. They realized quickly I was here long-term and it wasn't just kind of a, a hobby for me. So I think that demographic was super welcoming. Um, I think there are some people in the industry that have seen a lot of people come and go. And mm. so I think they reserve judgment for a later date to make sure they want to see you prove yourself and that you're committed. Um, but most of them kept a, a open mind and let me prove myself. Um, and, you know, some, it took a couple of years to prove myself that I was here, part of the community. Um, it was, I was going to be for here for long term, but, um, you know, it's some of it, I still am not proving myself because I'm not fifth generation. Um, so there's nothing you can do about those people. And, and I'm here, I'm going to be here, you know, I'm going to retire here. I'm active in the community and, and not everybody's going to like you. Um, and that's okay. But the ones with open minds have accepted us and welcomed us and welcomed that we don't always do things exactly, um, the wine industry way, but you know, when we came in, but there's more and more new generations, next generations that are doing that as well. So it's, it's becoming the norm. So I yeah. don't know if that answers your question. No, totally does. I was just curious because I'm like, man, I, we've done interviews with people. It's rare that I've met somebody from Wisconsin that has made that big of a trek to California and that has like started this, you know, your own wine empire. So I just think that that's like, really cool <laughs> and inspiring too. and inspiring yeah yeah definitely um and I'm sure a part of you feels like it sounds like you were really close to your father like you know you're kind of doing this in part for him too and you yeah. know he's looking down on you and seeing everything that you're accomplishing and I mean that's that's pretty that's pretty big to do this big of an undertaking like not everybody can do that yeah, <laughs> so I, I, it's a big undertaking Taking, but I wouldn't be here without the support of my mom and my two brothers. Mm. Um, super supportive, biggest cheerleaders. And I'm surrounded by really good people at the winery. Uh, you know, we can only be successful if the people around me uh, are buying into the um, goal. And um, 
you know, I surround myself with more expertise um, in certain departments and, and it, it takes the stress down a bit and makes it feel like you're not as alone. Like it's mm. more of a collaboration to, to drive, to do the right thing. Yeah. I love that. You're not like, it's all about me. Like I need other people to like make me be my best and it takes a, it takes a village, it takes a team. And, um, that's cool. I love that. Yeah. Cause even on the website, cause I've studied it, um, that you were talking about the, the staff, you know, in the tasting room and your winemaker and it takes a, it takes a team to make it, make it, yeah, make the best product, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's really cool. Well, let's dive into talking about some of the wine. So I want to know, like, so what are the varieties that you grow the most of? Um, what are you, what are you really excited about that you're doing? Um, yeah, talk a little bit about the wines that you grow and uh, what you like about it. Well, I mean, we we have um, about 75 acres of vines. Um, not everything is grown to be in our production. So I have a separate vineyard company. So technically I grow the most Cabernet, but quite a bit of it is sold off to other wineries. Um, we cherry pick what we want and that comes from our Dutch Cross and Maine estate that goes into our proprietor's reserve. Uh, and then we grow Zin, cause I'm in Zinfandel, the heart of Zinfandel country. And it, we grow great Rome varietals um, because I went to Southern Rome region of France. Of course I had to do something um, um, that was inspired by that. So we grow Grenache and Movedra, Cinso, mm. Cunoa, um, you know, we grow Chardonnay, a very special clone out here in Dry Creek. I have a Pinot vineyard. So we grow a lot of, a lot of things, I guess. Um, but I make, don't grow Sab Blanc, but I buy Sab Blanc. I, I make Sab Blanc Chardonnay. Um, I make Riesling. I make Sparkling. I make um, Zin Syrah, Petit Syrah, Cabernet, uh, Red Wine Blend that's uh, Rhone inspired. I make Port. What am I missing? I source some Cab Franc. I source some Merlot for a, for a Cab. Like we're crazy busy. Like I can make what what we do. Um, like I can make ten thousand cases and make five different wines. But you know I'm that crazy wine owner that says, "Hey, I want to have seventy five different lots come in <laughs> to make the ten thousand cases." And the winemakers are good with that. They are so committed to doing the right way making the best wine and not the easiest way Hmm. so i may make for you know one of my zins i may have seven different components that go into that one zin blend sure we could throw them all together and make one lot but we're not sure if that would be the best we ferment a lot of things separately and then blend after the fact and it takes a lot more work, takes a lot more commitment to, and thankfully I have the team that's willing to do things, strive to be quality um, instead of trying to do it the easiest because that's not always the right way. So, um, you know, we make 32 different wines and it takes about 72 plus different lots to do that. And 
every once in a while during harvest, we have beer up there because it takes a lot of beer to make great wine. We <laughs> uh, also have happy winemakers when they're tired and grumpy, and my assistant will feed them throughout the season. But, um, you know, our approach is, is simple. Do it the right way, or we're not going to do it at all. And um, that goes from our growing. That goes from who we we deal with as vineyard owners. We deal with um, vineyard owners that are committed to high quality practices. So kind of what we practice is what we want to be surrounded with, whether we own it or not. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, we are drinking personally. We were sent the Zinfandel and I love the, um, the 9% Petite Syrah on, on this as well, because mm. I really get on the back end of that, that, that kind of helps structure it and give it that we love a good Zin. Yeah. And we I, love Petite Syrah too. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I actually, I really enjoy, um, Zin during like the warmer months too. Like you can have it all year, but I'm like, if I'm going to do a red, I, I like to do Zin. I just, I don't know. I like, I like it. Maybe it's a little bit chilled and the fruitiness of it. And, um, I don't know. And I eat a lot of pizza like all the time. And I love this Zinfandel with pizza. Um, but this is really good. Um, unbelievable. I, I love this. This is really good. Why don't you tell us about this? this so wine? the Maple Vineyard is one of the famed vineyards here in Dry Creek. <laughs> it's up on the bench in Dry Creek. So it's the bench is like maybe 100 feet elevated from the valley floor, at, you know, in general. Um, it was founded by Tom and Tina Maple, and, and uh, they were kind of difficult but charming difficult to deal with like you needed to make sure you I had to prove I was worthy of their grapes before they sold me the grapes and they sort of interrogated me to make sure I was good because I was a newbie in it's like oh my gosh and, and <laughs> how yeah, did you like, prove you were worthy <laughs> well like every once in a while they just pop in and be like we want to taste our wine and I'd be like, well, it's my wine now. It was your grapes. <laughs> <laughs> and so they'd come and, and, you know, taste the wine. You know, they didn't, they didn't want me to leave after a few years. You know, they didn't, they wanted to make sure I was here to stay. They wanted to make mm -hmm. sure I kept the same winemaker. Um, like even to the point of, I could not go to a breeder to get a dog. I had to rescue a dog if I was going to get a dog. Like, if I go get a puppy, they're like, what rescue house has a puppy? I'm like, oh, dear. Okay, let me figure this out because they're all about rescue dogs. So I didn't want to lose my fruit because I went to a breeder for a dog. And, like, they were, they were, it was their way or the highway regardless what she did. So to be honest with you, my, my mom made friends with Tina. I made friends with Tina. And, um, you know, I, I spent, they threatened if I ever drove by their, their house and didn't stop after five, they'd be mad and wouldn't sell fruit to me. So, <laughs> Sounds like the mafia. Yeah. <laughs> so I spent the first six months driving around, taking the long way home after five. So I didn't, you know, Irritate them. So I made a mistake and I was like 5 30, 
you know, ran up there, drove past her house, so I pulled in. And where the we broke the ice was I came running up the stairs because they're like, come on up, have a glass of sparkling on the cold. Like, why did they come this way? And I go <laughs> up there, they're matching dresses. They're matching moves. And I thought, I'm in California. Like, what, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And they're like, Yes, I would like some sparkling night. <laughs> people in matching dresses. Then they put me in their golf cart. And we're drinking sparkling. And I go around the golf cart. And I'm getting a personal tour. If they each had names of the vines, they would have introduced me to every vine. But I got the personal tour of this head train, 15,000 vine property. And they loved every vine and they were passionate of every vine. And I thought, okay, they're not crazy. They just love what they do. I can handle this. I can do this. And, and that's part of what makes their grapes special. They loved them. They were on their mm. pruning them. You know, they talked to them. They piped music out to them. They wandered and they just loved everything about it. And like you look at these vines, they're gnarly, head trained, dry farm vines and they're just ancient, but they love, they were loved. And I thought, that's what makes this wine unique. Mm -hmm. Every block is different. Every block is named after a dog that's passed away. And, and it's like, okay, like they're really into everything that they're telling me. And it's, it's a special vineyard and we get, we get twisted oak. Um, the Zin from Twisted Oak that Tina actually twisted the oak as it grew. It's actually this twisted oak in the middle of the vineyard that grew. It's like everything about them is detail-oriented. And, and we grabbed the Petite Syrah that's from around their house. And my dogs have played in. And uh, so I feel it's kind of part of my family. But uh, the Petite Syrah is almost better than the Zen and they're known for Zen. Petite Syrah's through the roof and um, you know every Zen at least they're the growers that understand Zen and Petite Syrah go together so you get blackberries you get this kind of beautiful baking spice mm. I get a little lavender mm -hmm. uh, I get a little bit of blueberry pie in there Mm -hmm. And then again, even though it's a pepper, it's almost like a, a white pepper for me than a black pepper. I love the nose on this wine. Oh, it's really pretty. It's, it's very pretty. beautiful. It's, I love all my Zins. I make a ton of Zins, but the maple vineyard Zin we make is special for me. Like, Tina's one of my best friends from me having to prove myself to be worthy of her grapes to now she spends holidays with me. Wow. Um, we spent a lot of time. Um, she came and helped me when my one dog passed. She was there for me. Like she's now, she's one of those people I talked about. Was she accepting right away? No, she wasn't. But is she one of my best friends now? Absolutely. So it's special to me in that sense. It's special to me as, as this 
mine was here, this vineyard was here by the founders. Um, but it's just an iconic dry creek scent. And it's just, it's just fun, you know, it's what a zen should be. Like drink it with anything except sushi. Mm. <laughs> mm. I love that story. I love how you had like the epiphany too. And then like, you know, once you really got in there and it kind of like unfolded this layer of who these people were, it made you be like, oh my gosh, like this, they just love this with everything in them, you oh, know? And that, yeah. I mean, yeah, and that matching dresses, captains. Like, <laughs> I don't know what I was into. And, and like, they welcome anybody up there with sparkling. Come on, like you and I, y'all and I, Sparkling is kind of a special occasion wine. That's how we grew up, right? Yeah. But people out here drink it every single day to start their evening. It's like normal. Like wow. and these are the people that drink drink it every single day. And I thought, okay, yeah. you are enjoying the culture of wine country. I need to stop and smell the roses and, and stop here more often. <laughs> totally. Well, and it makes you think too, like the fact that they had this – I mean, that this was so important to them. That's what took them a while for you to like, for them to trust because they're like, no, like we want, you know, we love this so much. It's it's so important to us that we don't want other people to like take advantage of that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I just think that's really, I love that story. That was such a fun was, story. Yeah, it was a great story. I mean, I was scared to death of it. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> not, it was a highly fought after and sought after vineyard to have. Um. And, you know, they were handshake by handshakes only. So, I mean, they were, you, you could have lost your fruit at any time. And and you have my founding winemaker going, don't screw this up. It's like, okay, well, here we go. Let's cross our fingers. So, um, so I think it's one of my, my special wines. Um, just because I have a close attachment. You know, he has since passed. Tom mm. and and we made a special wine for him from his vineyard where Tina and her family, her niece and nephew came down and blended it with us. I mean, the evolution of, of, of business acquaintances to family and friendship has, has been fun with this vineyard. That's why I think it was important for us to send you the maple because it is a family wine for us. Yeah. Mm. We're so glad you did. It's it's a it's a wonderful wine. So you're so all that to say you're not making the, the long detours around to avoid their their property now, right? No, I usually just go over there. Tina makes me dinner every <laughs> once in a while, and and she's she does. Can you come for dinner? I said, well, you know, she's like tells me what what she's making. But honestly, minute I sit down and watch a movie because there's always a movie. Um, she's a great cartoon animated um movie fan i sit down and fall asleep (laughs) so now it's like would you like to come take a nap (laughs) (laughs) it's me a doggy bag and uh, if i go home i do not make detours but it's it's involved evolved to like uh ant type person that's like i know you need some rest I've heard you've been running and chasing, so it's nap time. Come decompress for two hours, and then 
I'll send the care package home. See, it's progressed from detours to nap, your nap spot now, your siesta spot. He can relate to that. He can, I am he can, just like you, Deborah. Oh my gosh, he can nap anywhere, anytime. I'm going to go. Like, I like to move. I like to keep going. But once I sit down, he's out. I'm out. It's like, there you go. It's like, I can't even tell you that I've never watched a movie fully at that now. So it's great. <laughs> They're like, I don't want to go to the movie with Deborah. She will fall asleep. But that's why she goes with to the movies. Deb's like, I gotta pick a movie so I can go get a nap in. Just go to the boring ones. It's not like it's a Marvel movie theater with eye candy for me. You know, it's like yeah. if I watch Thor, I'm gonna stay awake. But like maybe watching Pixar, that's a little bit different. So tell us. Oh Tell God. us what you were off, off, off uh, recording. You were talking about, you know, just basically being a glorified farmer, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's really what wine and the wine world and winemaking is all about, you know, owning a winery like that. Tell yeah. us about that. Well, I mean, my, my brother asked, is it everything you thought it would be? It's nothing like I thought it would be like, I didn't get into this industry because I thought I wanted to dig in the dirt and walk in the vines and 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 having to deal with rattlesnakes and and coyotes and picking at two in the morning. There is nothing glamorous about that. Um, and nor did I realize that it would be a complete lifestyle. Like I don't turn it off when I go home. I don't turn it off when I go to the restaurants, because I'm still tasting and trying wines and talking to customers. And I see people that visit here, I may see out um, in the community. So I might have to stop by choice. Um, and I have, I have a beverage with them, but this, this farming lifestyle is, is hard. It's, it's, you're up at six, you know, you might get home at five, but need to go back out and, you know, might, might have, Eight-hour days, you might have 18-hour days. Um, it is nothing at all like I, I thought it would be. And, and to be honest with you, being a winery owner is great. I get to deal with customers and get to be part of their lives. They send me pictures of I'm drinking wine at a celebration and meeting new people and traveling the world and, and so forth. Like That's what everybody thinks it is. But I'm out in the dirt probably four to six hours a day, just checking the vines. Like right now I'm, I'm looking for any color changes. So, you know, I guess I told you like when I travel, like if it's a cute boy, ask me, ask me what I do. It's like, I'm a, I own a winery cause that's, that engages dialogue with me with him but you know if it's someone that i don't want to talk to for a you know a long distance flight to australia or to europe i'm a farmer no one cares no one's interested <laughs> in about so, you know it's it's it all depends on what i do and and um it's even to the point like i never thought i'd be a farmer like even as a kid from farm country or farming state my nephew well my nephew-in-law actually refers to me as farm that's what his nickname is for me, so. <laughs> wow 
it's kind of come full circle and starts to haunt me as nicknames. But uh, you know what? These farmers, like, I'm not out pruning the vines. Not not happening because the guys don't want me anywhere near the vines with something <laughs> sharp. But they work hard. These vineyard guys work hard. They work in heat. They work in bad conditions. Um, you know, no one wants bugs all over you. No one wants to start picking at eight at night and finish at six in the morning. Like they are our guys in the vineyard. We wouldn't be here without good working guys and women. We love the lady crews. Like my vineyard manager loves hiring the, the lady crews because the quality of work. Like we wouldn't be here without them. Like hmm. I can't keep up with them at the rate they go and they happily do it and the quality they do, my goodness, like they make farming look easy, even though it's hard. Hmm. So after a long day in the vineyard, you know, you spent six hours in there. Mm-hmm. What's your beverage of choice? Your first beverage that you go to after being in the vineyard? An iced tea. Mm. Iced tea. All an right. An iced tea, depending on the season, um, my adult beverage I go to, I probably have a, a gin and limeade. Mm, and we love I'm gin. I'm a big cab, Cabernet drinker. So my meals always somehow forcibly have a cab alongside <laughs> of them. But if it's hot out, like I'm not a big rosé fan and my winemaker's not here so I can say it. Um, a glass of rosé. It's his project. He loves it. I have a little bit of anger towards it because how, when we first started doing it, it caused a lot of problems with picking the glass and making the label, and and so there's a little bit of resentment towards it. But like, <laughs> I drink it when I'm not in his presence or anybody's from the winery's presence because I will never have it like actually documented on video that I'm drinking a rosé. You don't so, you don't want to give them that satisfaction. I don't <laughs> want to give them that satisfaction, but it's my hot tub wine. Chill it down. Hot tub wine. <laughs> so I was going to say, you don't have a problem with the taste. It's more like the process it took to like bottle yeah. and do all that. You know, it's like it went into shiners. And then, mm. you know, we were not ready with the right label. It wasn't approved. It wasn't developed. So... Like I felt unprepared for that, and I'm still punishing the wine for, for, mm. for eleven years ago. I'm still bitter at <laughs> wine that did nothing to. Me. So. Wow, I like that it's a hot tub wine though. I love hot tubs. Everybody should have a hot tub wine. Everybody should have a porch pounder, and everybody should have a just kick back with a bowl of popcorn and watch a movie. Wine. I love that. I do too. That's a great idea. I agree with that. I support that. Yes, I support that. (laughs) I was going to ask you, so what's your opinion on like natural wine? Because that's kind of started to become really popular. Do you like it? What do you, yeah, what do you think about all that? Um, Like I never want to poo-poo anything. Um, I appreciate the people that have that belief, but it's not something that we strive for, I guess is the most political um, way of saying it. We try to be minimalists in our approach. Um, um, 
and we feel safe that way, making wine that way, if, if that sort yeah. of answers your question. There's nothing wrong with that. I think I think everybody needs everybody has a lane, you know. And if you feel like you're in your lane, you're doing yeah. the best wine that you and other people can kind of do that their thing. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. It's, it's natural wines. It's biodynamic wines. It's everybody's got their philosophy and and uh, um, like I appreciate it. I enjoy them. Um, but I'm most comfortable in the lane I'm in. That you're in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's just interesting. I've got to be politically correct. Right? <laughs> oh, totally. No, totally. We get that. It's just like I get interested by like all the different trends that happen. And then like also, you know, when certain trends do happen, then like there's misconceptions that can happen in like commercially, you know, like you'll be on Instagram and you'll see these ads for like, all wine has tons of sugar in it. So you can only only drink our wine because we're not adding pounds of sugar. And like, I feel like that's a misconception. Like, I feel like you're kind of leading the public yeah, in the no, wrong it's way. Sugar, it's illegal. Right. right. It, but like the fact is, know your wines because most of them that you're drinking from, from boutique wineries, like my Zen may taste have a sweetness to it. But it's completely dry. There's no sugar left. Yeah. So, yeah. like, I think it is not. Um, I, I'm not trying to knock the natural uh, um, industry, but it's not a regulated term yet. It's just mm-hmm. like old vine zen. What really is that? But it sells. Mm-hmm. You know, you see an old vine zen, you automatically think, oh, that's better. But is it? And is it a 20-year-old fine or is it a 100-year-old fine? Like it what, doesn't say. Where is the regulation? Where is, where is the parameters of what really makes a certain wine a certain way? So um, I just, I, I, you know, no one's adding tons of sugar. It's natural. You know, we don't use the term natural. We use the term, you know, we're minimalist. We try to manipulate it as little as we can. Um, but there's also no regulation in, in that. Um, so, I mean, everybody uses m- maybe certain terms for marketing purposes. Oh, totally. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was like getting at. And also what I think can be like confusing to consumers because I do feel like the more and more we've dove into this over the past three years, I'm like, wow, there's not a lot of regulations over certain things with wine. And that gives room for people to just say whatever, even though it's not true. And then it can mislead the public to be like, oh, well, if it's not biodynamic and sustainably farmed and natural and organic, then that means I can't drink it. Or they've been led to believe that sulfites it's, is what they're allergic to when that's that completely not true. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, maybe some people are very, very, very few, but I think that, you know, you talk to someone that's new to drinking wine. I mean, and I work at Trader Joe's and I get confronted with a lot of people that are, mm-hmm. you know, trying to figure out wine and they're like, well, I'm allergic to sulfites. And I'm like, really? Like, I mean, are you, I'm like, are you just drinking too much or are you drinking, it might be the histamines in the wine that are bothering you. I said, I doubt that it's the sulfites. 
you know, um, and so they're all looking for these sulfite free. I just like, there's so much misinformation. And I think that does get frustrating, you know, when people are trying to figure out what they should drink. Yeah. I, I think, I think you have to trust your, it's like a jeweler or a lawyer. You got to trust them, like your wine educator. Like, you got to trust who's giving you advice. Like, Bottom line is, you drink too much of a wine with sugar in it, you're going to get a headache. Right. With sulfites, like, uh, like I get it. It just wasn't the right wine for you. It wasn't the right balance. It it, it doesn't mean you can't have red wine. So, um, yeah, I think it's an interesting thing. You know, back when I got. you know, really into drinking and being able to afford going from from Beringer White's into a little bit, you know, Kendall Jackson, Chardonnay, like buying more expensive wines. Uh, you know, I bought an organic wine that had started to re-ferment. Mm. I don't like it. And then it was like, well, it was re-fermenting. Like, so sometimes you kind of go, I get it. It was the early... It's one of the early natural wines. It's like, okay, that didn't work. It went bad. And it went through a big recall, one of these wines. And I think you just got to do what you're comfortable with. And, mm-hmm. um, but I think from the new generation and even the older winemakers are buying in, less is more. Let's do the minimum. Of, uh, do just enough. And I think... It's catching on um, more and more across across the industry, but I don't. It, the words that are used, old vine, natural vine, old, you know, there's no regulation. So, right. Can that be frustrating in your world? That I feel like the wine world is so regulated in a sense, like in a sense, it's labels weird. Yeah. and you know this kind of stuff. But then other reasons not stuff, at all. There's no regulation, so. Is that kind of frustrating to you or? Sometimes it's frustrating to me. Like I don't always know what's regulated and what's not, what, what I can use in terms what I cannot use. Um, I also think that thankfully I have younger staff that's kind of monitoring the new trends um, and trying to stay ahead and, and, you know, sending me emails or asking for time, like maybe this is something we should talk about. But it it is it is uh, hard to overcome m- misconception with consumers, like um, like just like you go to Australia, you buy wine, red wine is a twist top. Americans think it's cheap. Mm-hmm. Right. are still viewed as cheap and there's mm-hmm. nothing anybody can do to overcome that for people my age or older that's just what we're taught so i think sometimes you can't you you can't break someone's beliefs and most of them aren't educated beliefs but um you just need to be confident in what you do and and let your product shine through. So um, it's difficult to to keep up with the trends, but you shouldn't be shifting your products for trends if they don't follow your core beliefs. So 
it's all yeah you know like orange wine okay like that was a hot topic for you know a year having the orange wine um right you know i get it the young kids and younger kids want sustainability um they're mindful about things that maybe my generation isn't um so some trends are staying with lighter packaging lighter weight bonds and all of that stuff and so i got young staff that's helping me navigate that but as far as the wine trends there's going to be wine trends forever but if you think about it for a long time wine hasn't changed and it still doesn't change you know, don't want to be the forever 21 of wine. Yeah, right? I mean, we're still, I mean, concrete's coming back in. Concrete was bit big decades ago, and now it's coming back in. Like, you know, oak barrels have been around forever. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's a slow to change things, but trends come in and out. And I think they're more for limited, you know, demographics. So. Yeah, it's funny too. I mean, and tr- and that's like that with all of life. I mean, there's trends with clothing. I mean, now young girls are all wanting to look like they were in the 90s and the 80s and, you know, and it, then they act like this had never existed before. And it's like, oh, no, that's always kind of been a thing. And so, I, I mean, I definitely think that's true. I mean, wine is, wine is one of the oldest things in existence that's been being made for. And I, I think sometimes it's good to just be like, well, if this has lasted this long, why go too far away from such a good thing? I mean, I think the trend of lower alcohol wines is great. No one mm. needs a big 16 plus one. Yeah. Right? I mean, there's certain trends like that that you kind of go, I-, I can get behind and I agree with them. Um, just because we have better understanding of how things age and, you know, the trend of, of, laying wine down for 30 years and then it's going to be good like i'm not buying wine for my nieces and nephews to inherit like i want a wine <laughs> that now right but i can age it and forget about it pull it out in 10 years like if i don't like it now don't tell me i'm really gonna like it in 30 years because yeah eating habits aren't the same so i mean there's certain trends i can get behind and some of that is is lower alcohol and some of it is approachable earlier but ageable so those are the trends i can get behind so yeah well said i like that well said well tell us what what's on the horizon yeah before we end this tell us about what's on the horizon what are you excited about what are you guys working on what do you want people to know you know we're we're excited think harvest is maybe a month out i saw some color in the straw on friday you know i sent out the text and the next thing you knew two winemakers were walking up and down looking for the colors like no it's three berries out of the straw uh, so we're prepping for um harvest that should happen in a month and probably a week before harvest starts we're going to bottle about three thousand cases so I got stressed out winemakers right now um, because, you know, it's critical time stuff going in the bottle. Uh, I'm most excited. We did a lovely um, uh, Seb Blanc for my dad, a tribute wine that was done in, in cigar barrels. Um, oh, what? Wow. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so it, it's um, 
it's a little bit crafted more like a Chardonnay and it has this beautiful texture of the mouth and, and it's, it's a fun wine. It was kind of an experiment and challenge to the winemakers and it, it just released. So I'm super excited about that. Um, we got some new wines that are called Stages. We got the fourth and fifth stage that are coming out. Uh, every once in a while, you know, we have a blending philosophy here. The winemakers come, we have some wines that they, you know, want to try together and blend and make something special. And, and when they do, they're like, can we make, can we decrease the production of three Chardonnays? Because we made a blend from three different Chardonnays and it's fantastic. So every once in a while they hit, hit the jackpot and um, we have two of those jackpots coming out. So we're excited about that. And, you know, it's kind of, you know, they think they created the wheel when they hit that, you know, these worked great together. So um, we got some fun wines coming out and we got some harvest dinners and we got some um, new experiences. We're working on a barrel room, a little part of it. So to have more intimate experiences with our guests I'm, I'm going to visit the home state of Wisconsin. So I'm hauling back some bratwurst from my home state. And yes. Nice. Here. So lots of stuff going on. And I hopefully won't set the grill on fire with my brats. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I'm trying to cook 500. There's a lot of grease that come out of those. Uh, a lot yeah, of grease. That's a lot. Wow. I love bratwurst. So, I mean, oh, my God. So, so bratwurst wine doesn't get any better than that. Right and beer. Well, I do brats during harvest because winemakers are consuming beer. So yeah, give them a little brats. So yes. Oh man, you've been so fun to talk to, and you you're so funny. I love your sense of humor. <laughs> well, thank you for having me, and everybody yes. come visit. You two should come visit and and blend with us or get get uh, on the crush pad and do harvest with us for a day we would absolutely we love, love that like we it's you know because we've been doing this we started it during the pandemic uh like literally like a couple two months before the pandemic started and so we just didn't really do a lot of traveling like we went to like some of the southern states we went to there's a lot actually a lot of wineries in georgia surprisingly right. and a lot of really good ones and so we did a lot of that because it was close um and you know, you could be outside and everything still. Yeah, but you guys were shut down. Everything California. was so shut down, but yeah. we've met so many people, obviously doing wine. Like we've met so many people from California and everyone's like, when are you guys going to go to California? Like, when are you going to do it? And we're like, we need to, we need to do it. So yeah, you definitely need to come here and visit. So and look us up and we'll put you to work and, and let you get it behind the scenes. Action. I would love that. We love getting our hands dirty, Deborah. Yeah, we're all about it. <laughs> That's great. I appreciate that. Well, thank you for having me. It was thank fun. You. Thank you so much. You so Cheers much. to Deborah and Dutch and Crossing Winery. Thanks for your time and everything. Yeah. We appreciate it. Have a good rest of your day. Thank you. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Mm. So good.